if you're new here, my name is Alberto Lopez. Uh, I serve here with our awesome campus ministry. Um, I'm so excited to share the word with you. Uh, quick little plug again, if this is your first time here, we want to make this church your church, so please don't be in any rush to leave. There's a connection card in the seat back behind you, and if you fill it out and turn it in, uh, we want to meet you, hear your story, and we have an awesome gift for you. So please fill that out. All right, so these past few weeks, we've been in Matthew chapter 6, and what we've been doing is we've been unpacking this chapter verse by verse and seeing Jesus' challenge towards us of, of what it looks like to be a disciple in the kingdom of God. Uh, so if you open up to Matthew chapter 6, uh, we have been covering, mostly Peter because he's awesome, uh, we've been talking about subjects like uh, giving to the needy, money, the Lord's prayer, what it means to lay up our treasures in heaven. I'm literally just reading the subheadings, but that's what we covered, uh, if you're paying attention. Um, and today where we find ourselves is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, and we're going to be talking about the subject of fear and worry and anxiety. So if you have your Bibles with you, will you please stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. If you don't have your Bible, you can type these scriptures into the internet, and if you don't want to do that, you can look up here, uh, but your neighbor will judge you, so choose accordingly. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon... And all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. What a beautiful portion of Scripture. In this section of Scripture, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 starts his Sermon on the Mount, the world's most famous sermon ever given, the best sermon ever given. And we arrive here, and if we just read that and left it there, I mean, that's awesome. Like, like we can leave and be really encouraged. Like, Jesus is illustrating to us how faithful and how good and how wonderful the Father is. And he's using several illustrations to do that. He says, man, look at the birds. Hundreds of millions of birds flying around and your heavenly Father feeds them. Not, not the bird's heavenly Father, your heavenly Father. And he says, man, like that right there should stir up some trust in you that, that if God cares for the birds, he's saying, man, how much more, you know, you? And then he kind of transfers it a little bit and says, look at the lilies, like, like the flowers. He's saying the flowers are awesome. Now, some of you guys may be thinking there's nothing awesome about flowers. Well, maybe the girl you're crushing on likes flowers, so flowers are awesome. 
that one's free. I'm helping you out, okay? He's saying, man, look at these flowers. These flowers are clothed in a unique type of glory and radiance. That even Solomon, the richest man that ever lived, who had access to everything and anything he'd ever wanted, wasn't even arrayed in this unique type of glory that, that, that these flowers or creation is clothed in. And what he's trying to illustrate to us is, is birds are awesome, flowers are cool, but, but those things aren't made in the image of God. You yourself, every single person in here, is made in the image of God. And, and being made in the image of God, we have access to our Father as children have access to their Father. And so Jesus is pointing out, hey, your worries and your concerns, I, I get it, but, but God is a good, faithful Father. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but this can be a, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Um, I can know it in my mind but it doesn't always take residence in my heart. Because I can be mentally aware. I can have Matthew 6 tattooed on my forehead. It can be my go-to verse for my friends that are struggling with fear and worry. And I can say, man, just just seek first the kingdom and and his righteousness and whatever that means. And it's kind of like everything's going to work itself out. And that is true. But I I still fear sometimes and I still worry. And, And although it's in my mind, until it takes residence in my heart, can I reflect what Jesus is asking of me? To, to trust the Lord with all of my heart, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. So what I want to do with uh, the remaining time I have with you is I, I want to revisit this portion of scripture that was written thousands of years ago that, that still remains true to us today. Um, and then from this portion of scripture, see what kind of anxiety and fear and worry Jesus is addressing, and what is his plan for our fear and worry and anxiety. So will you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is alive and active, God, that even as um, me and Jess didn't even talk about our sermons or his prayer and transition, and, and, and we're both talking about the same subject, fear and worry, and I believe, God, it's because you want to speak your peace and take residence into our heart, God, and give us hope in a hopeless place, Lord, and show us, God, that that you're in control, that we can trust you, that you're good, Father, and we don't have to be consumed by our fear and worry and anxiety. Lord, I pray that you would give us tunnel vision to focus on you and your word, God, so that it would take residence in our heart, not just our minds, and that we would leave transformed. For your name's sake, in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I uh, was watching this YouTube video, and I saw this theologian, smart guy, doing an interview, and uh, he pointed out that in certain German dictionaries, if you skim through them, there's certain words in the dictionary uh, that have, the bra- have a bracket and then a symbol that says NS. Uh, so random word and then bracket NS. And so what that means is that these were words that were used by the Nazi Socialist Party of Germany. These were Nazi words, words that uh, had German meaning that at some point were changed and manipulated to kind of further uh, their agenda, or new words that the Nazis had made up that, you know, was their language. And so it got me thinking, I wonder what words in our English language that maybe we use day to day uh, that at one point meant something completely different than the way we use it. So like a good steward of the internet, uh, I Googled it, okay? So here we go. Here's a couple I have, too. Um, The first word is nice. 
N-I-C-E. So this word at one point in time, I don't know when or where, used to mean silly, foolish, and simple. So it's far from the compliment that it is today, you know. So if you're kind of feeling passive aggressive and somebody asks you for your opinion, you can be like, yeah, it's very nice, you know. It's awesome. Um, And then you and I know what that means, okay. Um, The second word, this one's my favorite, is the word awful. So we use the word awful to kind of like suggest something that's terrible and disgusting and horrible. Well, at, at one point, this word used to mean worthy of awe. Yeah, like, like worthy of glory and wonder and majesty, like, like the awful majesty of God. Now, I tried this one out the other day. Uh, me and my wife were getting ready to go out, and she asked me, you know, how does she look? Because I'm the world's leading fashion expert. You know how this went. And I said, babe, babe, you look awful. <laughs> like, just awfully amazing. And, and she was not entertained, as some of you are. Um, but, but the word changed. And what I'm trying to get at here is that when we read Matthew chapter 6, we're not just reading an awful piece of scripture. Uh, okay. No, no, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that when we talk about the subject of anxiety, as, as it reads in my translation, what I've noticed sometimes is that whatever our experience is with anxiety, that's the way we define this word as we read it in the scripture. For example, someone who might struggle with uh, um, clinical general anxiety disorder might read this scripture and, and define anxiety from their experiences with it versus someone who experiences the uh, occasional anxiety like, how am I going to pay my bills or um, how am I going to pass this class or a fear of public speaking, you know, uh, there, there, there's a difference. And so I think it's important to differentiate so we can see what Jesus is communicating in this sermon and then we can see that his plan, his remedy for any type of anxiety, regardless of where it falls on the spectrum, is still the person of Christ and us seeking his kingdom. So let's read uh, verse 25 to 34 again. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food? Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. So we see Jesus is addressing the subject of fear and worry as it relates to our day-to-day needs. We, we know that's happening because we later see him say something like, you know, the birds are taken care of, the flowers are taken care of, you're going to be okay. But here's one thing that anxiety, here's one thing the scripture reveals about anxiety in our lives. Anxiety thinks too little of God. Anxiety thinks too little of God. You see, fear and worry is not just an emotion we, ex- we experience. It's an emotion that's connected to a desire. So there's good fear and, you know, there, there's bad fear, okay? So a, a good fear would, would be like me walking down the road and almost getting hit by a car and then my body responds accordingly and, you know, the right hormones get released and, you know, I, I run away from the car to save myself, Okay. A bad fear would be um, being consumed by worry um, and fear and, and, and not turning, being able to, you know, turn it off. And so fear and worry is not just an emotion experience. It is an emotion that is connected to what we desire. Because what we worry the most about is what we're devoted to the most. Um, I've heard it said that 
if you show me what you're worried about, I can show you who or what you're worshiping. And our idols make us anxious. So, so here's what I mean. I went back home for Thanksgiving. Family's awesome, but family's also stressful. Um, and so I remember laying in bed, and at some point during my day, I, I always catch up with my mom and my dad and see how things are going, and they tell me stuff I don't want to hear because it makes me anxious. And so I, I'm laying in bed, and, and I just cannot go to sleep um, because I'm just acutely aware of, 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 of my family's financial situation back home. My sister's a freshman in high school, and she's going to graduate and go to college, and I don't want her to have the same college experience that I did. I want to protect her and never leave the house, and I'm just gripped by fear and by worry, and I can't go to sleep. And, and, and the reason that I am so worried is because I have this unique type of devotion to my family. I love them. So if you were to come up to me and say, hey, Alberto, I'm experiencing the same thing with my family, I'd be like, cool, I'll pray for you, but I'm not going to lose any sleep because I'm not devoted to your family the same way I am. And usually the things that cause us to worry the most are the things that we're devoted to the most. What we worry about reveals who or what we're devoted to. And so why is Jesus saying this in this sermon? He's saying this because the people he is addressing, they're thinking too little of God. Okay? We're going to read this one more time. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So remember our little Bible reading trick? What is the therefore, therefore? All right. So that makes us take a step back and see, okay, why is Jesus saying this? And it kind of helps us set the scripture in a bit better context so we can get a better bird's eye view of what's going on. So to do that, we have to go back one verse, which is Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and it says this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Or some translations say mammon, possessions, things. So therefore, since you cannot serve God or money or possessions, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. So Jesus is saying, if God is your master and he sits on the throne of your heart and he's totally in control of your life, this is what our life should look like. And, and he's contrasting two different people. He's saying the Gentiles, which... Gentile comes from a Latin word that, that, that means, you know, they, they weren't Jewish. Uh, they didn't believe in a Jewish God. He's saying this group of people who have no affiliation to, or, or desire to worship God, man, they're running around consumed by fear and by worry, thinking, what am I going to eat or where am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How is my life going to work out? And he says, you don't have to run around like that if God is your master. Because if, if God is in control of your life, if he, if he sits on the throne of your heart, if you trust him that he's a good father, you're going to be taken care of. And so he's, he's contrasting and illustrating uh, these two different lives. And so Jesus is reminding his audience that you cannot serve two masters. And so the, the hard truth for, for me to swallow is that when I'm you know, going to being back home for Thanksgiving, when, when I'm lying in bed, gripped by fear and worry, the honest hard truth that is hard for me to swallow is that there's something in my heart that doesn't trust God as good. 
or, or there's something in my heart that says, man, God, like, like do you know my family? Like, do, do you see them? Like, how is this going to work out? And so here's what makes God so amazing and so loved and so kind is that he reveals these things in us, but he, he just doesn't leave us there. And in fact, what gets revealed in our hearts is what needs to be conformed to Jesus so that we can be more like Jesus. Too many of our worries and fears that consume us come from forgetting who sits on the throne. And Jesus is calling us to order our lives around God. If God is your master, order your life around him. Fixate your affections and your attention and your desires on Jesus. Don't let fear and worry occupy you take control of you to a point that you forget who your master is. I, uh, I have a Spotify app, not Apple Music, cool yet, but um, on my phone, this is what I've noticed, is that when I'm playing a song on Spotify and I'm listening to something, um, I get distracted and I'm like, oh, I want to watch this YouTube video. And so Immediately when the YouTube video starts, the Spotify music stops. Um, in a sense, if both were playing at the, at the same time, I would have a, a very distorted experience. Um, I wouldn't be able to, to hear what's going on. I mean, if we want to make it a little bit more spiritual, let's say uh, I'm, I'm listening to the Bible app, and then as soon as I start playing a YouTube video, I, I can't hear the words anymore. Um, and I think what Jesus is trying to tell us is that when we're consumed by whatever fear and worries kind of rain on us, it's hard to focus on the goodness and grace of God. Can't serve two masters. So Jesus is trying to take us from a place of saying, hey, I understand your fears, I understand your worries, I got it, I'm God. Now now think about me. Draw near to me, I'll I'll provide for you, and I'll care for you. Because when we go back to the beginning, like like the literal beginning in, in Genesis, we can see that it wasn't always it wasn't always like this. Uh, Genesis 128, which would be like page one or two of your Bible, um, th- chapter one, uh, says, says this. It says, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. So this is what's known as, as the cultural mandate. So, so God created everything. He said, everything is good. Therefore, you're created in my image. Go spread the goodness and the glory of God all around the world. That's what we were created to do. Um, If you've been in our established class, we talk a little bit about this. Uh, The the cool word there when God breathed life into us is is zoe. Um, I just love this word because it means, you know, the fullness of life uh, that that comes with being in a relationship with God. So being fully spiritually connected to God, full emotional health, full physical health, uh, that comes from being in a perfect relationship with God. So at, at the very, very beginning, there was, there was no fear. Like, like there was nothing to be scared of. Like I could walk outside and no car is going to hit me. You know, I'm not going to, whatever, freak accident. There, that did not exist. There was nothing to worry about. Like, I didn't have to lay in bed thinking to myself, how am I going to pay off my student loans? Because that didn't exist, okay? That came later. Um, 
And so this is the type of unity that we had with God. This is the type of relationship, communion that we had in the beginning where there was no fear, there was no shame, there was no worry, there was no sin. We know that was short-lived because we get to Genesis chapter 3, and, and this is where sin is introduced in our lives. This is the place where fear and doubt and worry and anxiety is birthed, and um, Adam and Eve willfully disobey God by, by taking a bite of this tree. And, and what we see happen in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, I'll, I'll read this. It says, The Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, we, we know that when God is asking us a question, he already knows the answer to it. He's trying to see how we answer it because the way we answer it reveals something about our hearts. And in this picture, we can see what's in Eve's heart. Verse 10 says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. What? Genesis 1.28, you were created by God for God to be in a relationship with him. You were designed to love him and glorify him all the days of your life, and now we're afraid of him? Sin comes into the picture and separates us from God, and instantaneously we forget his goodness, we forget his mercy, we forget his faithfulness, we forget how awesome everything is, and what do we do? We run and hide. And in this example, they're consumed by fear. And this is the story that we kind of see played out in, in, in the Old Testament, is that because of our sinfulness, man, we're prone to forget really easily. And so all throughout the Old Testament, God reveals himself to his people. His people have this awesome moments of worshiping God and, and loving God only to be followed by terrific, horrible falls. Crazy bouts with adultery and sin followed by God rescuing his people, revealing himself to them again, this sense of awe and wonder and remembrance arising, followed by forgetfulness. Where does that come from? We know biblically it's sin. Isaiah 59 says that our iniquities have made a separation between you and God, that we're separated from God because of our sinfulness. And the enemy of remembrance is, is, is forgetfulness. We, we forget who we are, where we are, and who our king is. Like this, this is my life. It's like I, I've seen and experienced God's faithfulness and goodness time after time again. And yet, when the thing that God saved me from arises again in my life, I still experience doubt and fear. I forget that, that God was faithful and that he came through and that he sustained me and, and, and blessed me. So Jesus is saying, look at the birds. I, I, I bet you've never had a day where you walked outside and there wasn't a bird, okay? And if there was, tell me where you're from because that's crazy to me. Just look at the birds and be reminded of God's faithfulness and goodness that as he provides for these birds, how much more will he provide for you? Look at creation, beautiful and awesome, but there's a unique type of affection that God has for you because you're created in his image. So what is God's plan for our fear and our worry? 
I believe God's plan for our fear and worry is taking us back to the place where anxiety doesn't exist. The kingdom of God. That's why he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, hey, seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, there is no fear. There is no worry. You have this understanding of, of where you live and where you, when you know where you live, you know who you live for and who you live for provides for you. And there's this unique type of relationship that comes with knowing being conscious that you are in God's family, that you live in his kingdom. Um, now, the kingdom of God can, can, as I quickly found out, means a multitude of things. Um, I, I believe you can talk about this thing forever and ever because it's so weighty and there's so much depth to it. But as it pertains to our scripture, seeking God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and being conscious and aware of who he is. Um, where I live, uh, my apartment's on the third floor. And um, maybe first, like, couple weeks or first month of living there, I, I forgot that I lived on the third floor. So it would always be, like, a, a pain in the butt when I had to go, like, down three flights of stairs to get my charger out of the car or buy groceries. Um, that's the worst. So what me and my wife started doing, now that we're conscious of where we live, we only buy enough groceries to do one trip up the stairs, okay? <laughs> um, I know that sounds silly, but it works for us. But I'm conscious of where I live, and because I'm conscious of where I live, I adjust my life accordingly. I think in the same way that when we're conscious that we live in the kingdom of God, that we're his children, it demands that we adjust our lives accordingly. That because my father is God, who holds the whole universe in his hand, it's not too hard for him to step into my life and touch these areas where I'm consumed by fear and worry and anxiety. Maybe not immediately, but he will do it. And that's what we see promised all throughout the scriptures. God's plan for our fear and worry is taking us back to the place where fear and worry do not exist. The kingdom of God we seek first and his righteousness. So when we're seeking the the kingdom of God, it also means the rule and reign of God. Just like a a king controls his kingdom, God rules and reigns over all of creation. And so we seek to live our lives intentionally like that. Man, how can I conform my life to the way that God has designed me to live? And if you don't know what that looks like, um, join a growth group because we talk about that a lot. Uh, in growth group, we're intentionally trying to conform our lives to these scriptures so, so we can let the kingdom of God not only invade us, but also that we can carry it everywhere we go as we look more like Jesus, as we conform our lives to look like Christ. God desires for us to be in, in a relationship with him. So when we seek the kingdom, we seek this gift of salvation that he's given us. We seek Jesus with all of our heart, soul, and mind because he is the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So if I'm coming to the King, I'm coming with Jesus. Living lives that reflect the rule of reign of God. And his righteousness, not my own righteousness. Um, I'm not very righteous. I keep talking about my wife. She can tell you. Um, None of us are, actually. That's what the Bible says. The only righteous one is Jesus. And so we're not seeking a a righteousness of our own, but we're we're seeking 
his righteousness in our lives. Because his righteousness is what gives us the, the access and the power to even live righteous lives. And so the question then becomes, well, how is this, how is this possible? Like, like, how do I get there? Like, like, where is it even? Like, is the kingdom over there? Is it over here? Is it coming? It's confusing really fast. Jesus sought first the kingdom of God so that we can be welcomed in as his children and not sinful enemies. And the only way any of this is possible is because Jesus trusted God the Father to be a a faithful provider. Even when everything looked like it wasn't awesome, sweating blood in the garden, dying and excruciating death on the cross, son though he was, he suffered obediently so that you and I cannot be bound by our sin and shame anymore, but have intimate access and relationship with God the Father so that he could get the kingdom of God into our hearts. Jesus sought first the kingdom of God because I did not. Because I'm seeking everything else this world has to offer. And when the Lord knew that I would be terrible at seeking his kingdom, he came after me and sought the kingdom for me, died my death on the cross, my sins he took, so that I could be restored and redeemed and brought back to the kingdom of God. Only Jesus. I seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and he made this possible for me. Christ sacrificed his life, laying it down, believing that God the Father was a good provider, seeking the kingdom over his own life so that we, who haven't sought first but have doubted his goodness, can be welcomed into the kingdom and receive his provision. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through uh, 14 summarizes this perfectly. It says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, the living Christ, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And that's God's plan is taking us back to the garden before sin was ever introduced. And, and, and I really believe that. I don't know when, I don't know where, but the kingdom of God is, is going to rule and reign earth as though sin never existed. And our hope as Christian believers is that that's what we're going to be participating and living in. And this is what Jesus has secured for us. So here is an introspective question. How do you know if you're living in the kingdom of God? How do you know if you've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God? Well, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, the Bible says, transferred all of your energy and worry and placed it on him, trusting him wholeheartedly with your life, and then walking out a lifestyle of repentance, of constantly turning away from the things that God died for, you are in the kingdom. 
That's how we inherit eternal life. That is what Christ has secured for us. That's why he says, you, you can't live in the domain of darkness and then try to serve God. It's incompatible. And you also can't live in the kingdom of God and then continue practicing the sins that Jesus died for. It doesn't work. You can only serve one master. And if you're in the domain of darkness, your master is darkness and sin and whatever else that comes with it. But if you're living in the kingdom of God, your master is King Jesus and your life will reflect it. Jesus died to secure this glorious, awesome promise for you and I. And we place our faith in Jesus, turn away from our sins, and we're his children of, children of God forever. Going back to Matthew 6, therefore, after taking all of that into consideration, after realizing how good and faithful the Father is, looking back through the scriptures and all the reference points that we have for God's goodness in the midst of our wickedness, and he still reveals himself to be faithful and to be good. He still reveals himself to to love us and draws near to us because Jesus sought first the kingdom of God so that we could live in the kingdom of God. Therefore, do not worry, do not fear, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Lord delights in you. Uh, The Lord enjoys meeting you where you are, asking you tough questions to see where your heart is, and then revealing himself to be your only source of hope, your refuge, your security, and everything that you'll ever need. And then somehow, mysteriously, as, as we aggressively follow Jesus and pursue him with all of our heart, soul, and minds, this part happens. All these things will be added to you. I don't even know how that works, but I've experienced it. Like, oh, that got taken care of, or this happened. This is awesome, you know? I don't even worry about that, because God's my Father. So church, my encouragement to you is as, as we have reviewed this scripture that maybe you've heard for a, a, a long time, maybe it's on your, on your coffee mug, maybe it's on your mind, I challenge you throughout your day-to-day life, identify maybe what, what, what's causing immediate fear and worry today, okay? Not, not tomorrow or the future stuff, but, but today, And then see and invite the Lord to come take residence in your heart and trust him as the good father he is who died for us, rose from the dead for us, and gave us plenty of evidence and reason to believe and trust him as good. Will you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. God, in... uh, world that seems like everything is pulling us a, a thousand different directions and distracting us from our true father, true provider, true security, true joy. You still manage to step into our lives, captivate us, get our attention, and gracefully remind us, hey, it's me. It's Jesus. It's God. Those things won't satisfy you. Those things won't fulfill you. Those things, as, as the word says, will not add another day to your life. 
but I will sustain you. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. And Lord, even when it seems hard to believe that, even, even when the fear and the worry does not go away, I've experienced it. Lord, teach us to trust that you are still good. And God, give us the, 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 the mercy and the grace that we need for today to draw near to you and love you all the days of our life. Uh, with every eye closed and head still bowed, m- maybe you're in here and, and, and maybe you realize that, that you are consumed by fear and worry because you've made a God of possessions and things that won't satisfy you and won't fulfill you and, and, and the Lord isn't sitting on the throne of your heart and you want Jesus to come step into your life and have a security and assurance that you've been transferred from the dominion, domain of darkness into the kingdom of God, will you boldly raise your hand? Thank you. Father, thank you for every hand that is raised, God, each one representing the person, Father, that you died for, God. On the cross, God, seeking the kingdom first on our behalf so we could inherit your your goodness, God, so that we can inherit all the promises, all the riches that you have for us in Christ Jesus so that you alone could be our master and our allegiance would not be split or divided. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come into uh, these individuals' hearts and mind, God, and empower them, Lord, to be vessels of faith, God, and give them conviction and boldness to embrace repentance and turn away from sin and place trust in you. And Lord, I, I pray for this church, God, this church that, that you love, Father. Um, I, I, I pray, Lord, that your hand would, would come over all of our hearts and minds, God, and lives. And I pray that you would continue to reveal us to us that you are good and faithful and there's good grounds to, to trust you and draw near to you, Lord, that, that you are more than capable of delivering us from our, our fear and our worry and immediate anxieties that consume us today, God, that, that you're more than capable of, of stepping into the storms of our life and, and calming those storms, God, and saying, hey, it is I, Jesus the Christ, the risen Son of God. Lord, thank you, God that you brought us there. It was your righteousness, God. No good works that we did, nothing awesome about us, God, but it was purely your righteousness and our obedience to you, God, that has secured for us the kingdom that we now get to live in and rule and reign with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.